I tell you what, we had a contender for Pac-12 Game of the Year this last week. Oregon State went down to Fresno State, an absolute insane thriller, back-and-forth finish uh, that the Beavs pulled out 35-32. to uh, we're going to talk about that and all the rest of the week's pa- last week's Pac-12 games on this week's episode of Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Well, you work all week on trying to identify who the eligible receivers are. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. So let's kick it off last week. I think we started off at 10.30 a.m. last Saturday in Utah as the Utes looked to rebound from their close loss against Florida. They hosted Southern Utah, and there was only ever going to be one winner. Utah, 73-7. to Inspired by a 38 nothing second quarter here. (laughs) And in the third and fourth quarter, you'd think maybe they took off the gas. They did not. 14-0, 14-0. So after a, a tied at seven at the end of the first quarter, Utah took out its uh, frustrations from its week one loss to Florida <laughs> on a hapless Southern Utah uh, squad that just got annihilated from there on out. Wrong place, wrong time for them, you know. Uh, when Utah's playing like, well, if we score enough points, maybe they'll give us a couple extra for last week and we can get a win for that too. Wasn't ever going to happen, but they tried. They certainly tried. That was a that's a <laughs> quite the quite the line. Yeah. Um, let's, I'll do some other garbage games first. How about Air Force in Colorado? I mean, the only thing that you can say about this is Colorado is God awful. They're Air Force dog shit. 21 point favorite in this game or something like that. And they covered easily. Like it was, they were 17 and a half point favorites and they won by 31. Like, yeah. Good God. Yeah. Colorado's like borderline got to worry about being, shut out of like mountain west expansion like if i'm them i'm not counting their counting my chickens in this reshuffling that's coming up because they like have not been good yeah that's that is brutal um there's nothing else you can say about it other than uh, yeah (laughs) you know that remember when they hired carl durell we kind of mocked it and we're like yeah these guys it's not very good hire and then he kind of came out of the gates and it was okay and like, brother, it is not okay. The bloom is off the rose. Uh, in terms of other hapless Pac-12 programs, how about California uh, against UNLV uh, and the Golden Bears of uninspired? What was the number in that game? California won twenty to fourteen. They were thirteen point favorites, so not anywhere near covering uh, the spread there. And yeah, I agree with you. This. These Cal Bears, you know, every year it's supposed to be their year, right? Like, you know, all the pundits like Wilner and those guys were saying, well, COVID really had an impact on them the last couple of years. Being in the state of California, it really hit them harder than other programs. So this will be the year that they come out of it. You know, Wilcox turned down Oregon's job in the offseason, so there's good momentum. Ugh. Uh, I mean, they're 2-0, and but a six-point win over a UNLV team that um, – is bad um you know like just flat out bad i don't know i don't know how you um you know i I don't know what to make of that it doesn't look very good i've been hearing good things about uh their freshman running back Jaden ott who i've not watched play yet but people say that he's like a guy 
Uh, and But for some reason, they only handed it off to him seven times. He got over seven yards of carry. But uh, they're saying so they're saying that he's a guy or they're saying that he's a dude because there's a difference in football. Uh, a dude, I would say more yeah. trending yeah. towards dude ish, like Which immediate you want, guy. You want you want the dude uh, label. That's what you want. You're nothing. Then you're a guy. And that's like you're, you're if to my mind, if you're a guy, you're viable. We can find something to do with you. And then if yeah, you're a dude, yeah. you're you know, you're you're like a real positive contributor. And then if you become like a problem, then you're, you know, world's your oyster. So I think right. he's like, like dude ish right now. Potential problem is we'll like the guy, buzz. Guy trending dude. We'll say that. Yeah. Let's say that. All right. Um, next up, let's go. UCLA hosted Alabama state. Uh, who cares? Yeah. yeah who gives a shit? Uh, UCLA wins 45 to seven. I, UCLA has an awful non-conference schedule, but it's as is often pointed out, it's because Michigan canceled on them. It's not their, it's not technically their fault that they played three terrible teams, but they're really going to beat up on the state of Alabama because they got another Alabama team this week coming up that's no good. So that's all I got for you, UCLA. You know, if you can't beat Alabama, why don't you just kind of get them around the edges? Yep, I agree. I, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, Da, 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 da. USC and Stanford, this is a game, as you pointed out, they always play early because they both have Notre Dame late. Uh, and it was a potentially tricky matchup for the Trojans and their new coach, Lincoln Riley. Uh, but USC, uh, pretty comfortable in the end. Uh, 41 to 28, and uh, only that close because Stanford scored 14 points to USC zero in the fourth quarter. So really, I mean, this was a shellacking. Yeah, it appeared that way at the beginning of this game. I watched the first quarter and USC was just a much better team. Stanford was moving the ball okay, but they just don't have a ton of dynamic uh, athletes. They got a really good quarterback, but that whole you know era where they've got five or six tight ends that seem like they're all seven feet tall and are unbelievably good. You know they they don't have that. They don't have you know the the Gerhardt or the, the love at running back. So I mean they've got they do have uh, EJ Smith, Emmett Smith's son. And he seems like he's a good player, but. Uh, USC, when I was watching this game in the first half, really seemed comfortably in control of it. Yeah. Um, how about here? Uh, here's a game that we kind of had put on like borderline upset watch that did not turn out that way. Oregon hosted Eastern Washington. The Ducks, d- similar to what Utah was doing, uh, tough loss in Week One. Uh, certainly far worse than the Utes. They uh, slaughtered Eastern Washington, seventy to fourteen. Yeah, yeah, another one. I mean, the Ducks, the Ducks put up a majority of their points in the first half, but in the second half, they still put up 28 points. Um, uh, you know, they, they seem to have shut it down in the fourth quarter, 7 nothing, fourth quarter. Um, but, yeah, you and I both were, were curious to see this. Bo Nix with five uh, touchdown passes in this one. Um, but they weren't, like, I don't know, if you want to get into the analytics of it, the, Oregon is not throwing the ball. They're, they're like yards per attempt and all that is not great. Um, you know, just they were superior team to Eastern Washington physically, and they could kind of, you know, beat them, beat them with the dink and dunk. Well, that's a step in the road. You know what I mean? It's like you want to, but you know, on the way to being good is just kind of do it at, at the minimum what you're supposed to do. So I certainly credit them for that. Eastern's always a competent operation. Um, let's do the desert teams, uh, Arizona state and Oklahoma state, uh, 34 to 17 win for the Cowboys over the sun devils. Uh, also a game that like kind of, you know, not a ton to it. 
it, it was established early which team was better. Yeah, this is an interesting one, right? Because we don't really know what to make of the Sun Devils, do we? Like, yeah. I mean, like 51 new players on their roster, uh, or 50, I forget which one they are. Um, they uh, have the looming potential for some sanctions coming down the path. Uh, and, you know, like they, they looked good early, to be honest. This was a game I was watching where Arizona State looked like it came to play. They took the lead in the first quarter. They stuffed Oklahoma State a few times, but – as the game played out, Oklahoma State sort of established they were the better, the better team. So. Yeah, how's this for a name? This Arizona State running back, Zazavian Valade. Zazavian. X A Z A V I A N. Nice. We did. We were remiss in mentioning that Eastern Washington. We talked about that Ewu Oregon game. Eastern Washington's QB's name is Gunner Talkington. Um, mm, nice another one. Another good one. Yeah. Good name, but. That's a, I enjoy the, the Oklahoma State name you just threw at me there. That's a, it's a Sun Devil. We get to talk about him again. Oh, okay. I like what. So what is it again? Zazavian. Validate. Zazavian. That's creative. I like it. Yeah. I like it too. It sounds like, a, a, you know, like a something like to lower my cholesterol. It does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mike Leach comes back to the Pac-12 with Mississippi State. They go into Arizona. Arizona had that awesome win in week one against San Diego State. Them SEC boys, too tough. Uh, Bulldogs, 39-17 to winners. A little bit of a surprise, if we're being honest, right? Jed Fish brought in a bunch of dudes, too. He's got either 50 or 51 new guys. Yeah. Um, but they, they showed improvement in the back half of last year. They had a nice win in week one. I think I think we talked about it last week thinking maybe this is a game that Arizona can jump up and compete in this you know and like cover um, they couldn't uh, they got they got waxed yeah I mean it's just uh, you know the line play I feel like even like a, a, a bad SEC team their D line is just going to be miles ahead of what we see out here on the West Coast I can't believe that nobody's solved for that you know I can't believe that there's not one coach in the Pac-12 conference that isn't like I'm going to recruit a bunch of D linemen, you know, like yeah. just make it a priority yeah. and just solve for the line issue that every team seems to have. Well, they haven't. They haven't. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. USC is the only one that could do it, but they haven't either. So like, uh, you know, I, I get that it's hard to get those guys on campus and get them, but you, there's a couple schools in the conference that should be able to solve for that and have it. All right. Oh, you know what? I, I really should have put the Cougs in the lead also along with Oregon State because what a win for Washington State going to Camp Randall. Uh, you know, not the prettiest game of football I ever watched, but uh, WSU did what was needed, shut out Wisconsin in the seven, second half, scored 10 points of their own, 17-14 to 14 upset winners, big time, you know, signature win uh, for Jake Dickert, you know, along with his Apple Cup last year. Uh, you got to feel good about coach down there. Yeah, you got to. I mean, one of these. So the nice thing here is, like, over the years, you 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 gain an eye for these things, and you know, Wisconsin has historically in the past ten years been a pretty good program. And yeah, expectations are always fairly high for them in the Big Ten. Yeah, not not like win national titles high, but like this is going to be a big. You know, they've got they've got those guys in the trenches. They're going to have the running game. They're going to have the defense. You know, this is going to be a competent Wisconsin team. It was pretty obvious to me fairly early on in this game. Like, wait a minute, these guys aren't any good. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, like this Wisconsin team sucks. 
Um, which is not to take away from WSU. WSU played a good game and beat them. A little, you know, WSU is supposed to have a really dynamic offense, and through two weeks, they have not. But their defense really stymied Wisconsin in this game. And I think, you know, at, at Camp Randall, even if it's a down Wisconsin team, this is a like this is a good win for this Cougs program, and it's going to help Dickert a ton, I think, in recruiting. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I think it's massive for them. Yeah. And I agree with you. Yeah. The offense for WSU, not what it was supposed to be, but I mean, uh, you know, and like Wisconsin on another day probably wins this game. They were having some red zone, uh, uh, turnovers late when they were going in trying to tie this thing up or take the lead and they just kept tripping on their own dick. Uh, but you know, somebody has got to be there to kind of make that happen. And that's what Washington yeah. state was doing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at Wisconsin, there's nothing dynamic about their offense. And it's, they were just bigger and they, you know, they were able to get some yardage, but they kept making these dumb mistakes and WSU was right there to take advantage of it. So good for them. Good for the Cougs and good, honestly, for the conference. Like that's the kind of win that a conference desperately needs to establish legitimacy as we head into this expanded playoff era. You know, you do have to be one of the top six conference to get that automatic bid. Oh, is that by like, well, you don't just get to automatically be one. I think it's by top six, but I don't know how they determine top six. I mean, I'm, if they just <laughs> have to pick it at the beginning of the year, I think the Pac-12 would be okay. But if you leave it up to the computers, I mean, right now the Sun Belt Conference is ahead of several bigger conferences yeah. with Marshall's win and with Appalachian State's win. Like, you don't want to, you know, like you got to have some legitimate non-conference wins to haughtily proclaim that you're a top six conference. I love Pac-12 it. Pac-12 and Big 12, you know. I love it. Uh, then that leaves us uh, with Washington. They hosted Portland State. That's oh, the, you gotta the, get to, gotta get to them beefs. Oh shit! Yeah, the beefs. That's the one I was most. Did you see this game? Did you yeah. see the at I, least I saw the, the end of it? I saw the end of it. Yeah, what a game! Yeah, yeah. what a Incredible. game, dude. Uh, the the end of this game is just going back and forth. The beefs they have some players, dude. They've got a good defense, although the score wouldn't reflect that. But they, their defense is, like, salty this year. Well, they're playing against a really veteran quarterback in this game with Jake Hainer, Hainer from Fresno State. Had a ton of success last year. Got, uh, you know, Kalen DeBoer the Washington job. But the, some of these plays the Bees were making, their, their second-to-last touchdown that they scored on that kind of jailbreak-ish screen where this receiver, Treshawn Harrison, like – took the ball like laterally across the middle of the field and basically gave every Fresno play player an opportunity to touch them and just like spun and ran and uh, juked through all of them to score a touchdown. That was an unreal college football play. Uh, and then the other guy that's really good, he had a, a longer rushing touchdown earlier in the game, Silas Bolden. Uh, he looked a lot like uh, when the Bees remember when they had those Rogers brothers, Oh, yeah. It was a lot of, like, quick, lateral, kind of jet sweep-ish, you know, like the, the slot guy, we're going to bring him across and give him the ball and get him working side to side. I mean, they yeah. got some, like, it seems to me like a classic Oregon State playmaker where he's, like, a little bit undersized, but he's, can, he's can an Simonson absolute. Can comes to mind? Yeah. Dude, he's an absolute dog. I mean, yeah. he's, uh, like, these guys look like, they're. I mean, they are confident which is a credit to the coaches, you know, they execute everything with tremendous conviction and belief that it's going to be successful. And then also when it gets down to goal to go situations, they get uh, this dude, Jack Coletto. He scored the first touchdown and the last touchdown of the game. They get the quarterback right the fuck out of there and just hand it to this guy who just takes it, takes it, you know, from a shotgun snap and runs into the end zone. 
Yeah. What I love about this game is the first half score, Oregon State 14, Fresno 13. Second half score, Oregon State 21, Fresno State 19. Like just a freaking dogfight. No, yeah. Nobody's allowed to get comfortable in that game. You have to be on. In between these teams, you know, just like wonderful, wonderful game of football. And that last play, I mean, we haven't even talked about it, which is, I mean, you know, uh, if you remember the 2010 season, Washington played Cal. Yep. They yep. on the last play of the game, they were down. Washington's down three on the own on the one yard line. Sark calls timeout, and uh, Jake Locker hands the ball off to Chris Polk, and Washington Washington wins the game. Chris Polk goes in for a touchdown. God's play. God's play. That's right. And then this play, you know, to, to Oregon State's credit, similar circumstances. They were on the two yard line, and like maybe the two and a half. Like they were not like on the goal line. Washington yeah. was six inches from, from punching it in. Um, Oregon State had a good two, two and a half yards to go. Ran the Wildcat to Jack Coletto, who also plays uh, uh, linebacker for them, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. And, you know, he went off He went off the right side and found, a, found you know, someone sealed the edge for him and he got in. But just like the stones on Jonathan Smith to do that, not kick the field goal, you know, and, and tie it and go to overtime, like, I, I love that on the road. You're setting a, you're setting expectation. Like what a what a great you know way to put an exclamation point on a not like a successful non conference season for Oregon State because they got a, a cupcake coming up this week. But um, just like a really like ballsy call that's going to pay dividends for them down the line. I think. And, yeah, and that's gonna and I think by the end of the year that win over Fresno State at Fresno State is going to be another good win for the conference. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I think impressed. So the forgotten Northwest schools really stepped up. Washington State and Oregon State this last week, uh, for the good of all all the rest of us. Yeah, Boise State, Fresno State, and Wisconsin coming down. Like those are good. That's a good. That's a good job. The good job by them. All right, then that leaves us with a with a absolute nothing of a Husky game. They hosted Portland State, uh, and similar to what Oregon did against Eastern Washington, uh, did what they were supposed to do. Uh, absolutely not competitive. I did not watch the second half of this game. Yeah, I mean they they crushed they crushed Portland State. They did you know credit credit to again to the the Washington offense, which looks like it can score every time it touches the ball. Yeah, and and did for a long time. Um, you know they that's if you're a Washington fan and you want to take something out of these first couple of weeks against overmatched opponents, it's that you know there's there's not any self inflicted wounds, and even when they have a false start penalty, they've got a seven or eight yard play dialed up on the next down to get that yardage right back, keep it third, you know, second and third manageable. And then they always pick up the yardage, you know, like they're not punting in, in the first half. I don't think of either of these games um, that they've played so far and the defense, you know, I think Washington has serious problems at cornerback uh, that are going to be harder to disguise as against uh, competent as, opposition, against competent opposition. Um, and particularly against a quarterback who's mobile, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. They can kind of bring the house, you know they've got really four really good edge rushers in Jeremiah Martin, uh, Braylon Trice, uh, Savelle Smalls, and ZTF. So they, I mean they actually can collapse the pocket pretty much whenever they want. The problem is a couple of those guys, Smalls, ZTF in particular, are going for home run plays and allowing the quarterback to break contain because um, they just come crashing down. And so against a more mobile quarterback, that you know that might be a problem down the line. But against a more traditional stand up pocket passer you should be able to uh mask some of the deficiencies in your secondary 
but, you know, through two weeks, Washington's defense is ranked number one because they, they haven't played anybody and they haven't given up any points or yards, really. Yeah, you know what, that uh, the uh, Kent State's quarterback actually in week one was a little bit mobile in Washington. It looked like, they, you know, if you watch the game, you'd be like, I'm sure we got eight sacks, but I think we only ended up getting one uh because you know they'd always get so close and he'd look like he was dead but then all of a sudden he was free to kind of you know scramble around try and make a play uh they did get uh looks like four sacks in this game which we take all day um yeah but i'm you know yeah they just did what they were supposed to do uh and, and to your point uh in the first half of both of these games another way to put this is that like anytime the game has been in question and the offense has had the ball the offense has scored yeah. Right. Yeah. No, they haven't. They haven't punted in the first half of either game. Yeah, because so. neither of these games have been competitive by the time it got to halftime. But yeah. the, and, and the starting quarterback, I don't believe, has been in on any series where the punter came out. So love it, love it. Alrighty, how'd we do on picks last week? We did good, as you would imagine, with a bunch of no line <laughs> cupcakes. Hey, that was, you know, last year was that last year where we were like screwing those up. Yeah, well, Washington lost to Montana last year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I went eight and three. You went seven and four. Worm went nine and two. Won the week. Uh, Tubby went six and five. Adam went eight and three. Kellen went eight and three. Josh went nine and two. That means the leader in the clubhouse right now at nineteen and four is Worm. And then bringing up the rear, you got Kellen and Tubby at fifteen and eight. And then all the rest of us are either at sixteen and seven or seventeen and six. Specifically, so how many games am I behind Worm? That's what I need to know. You are at seventeen and six, and Worm is sitting at nineteen and four. Okay, I can get I can get two back. You got you're only two back. Okay, so all right, I can work with this. Yeah, that brings us to this week's action. Let's start with uh, let's start with a relatively gimme of a game, although there is a line. UCLA at home hosting South Alabama. They hosted Alabama State last weekend, and now Alabama State is trading with South Alabama. UCLA, 15-and-a-half-point favorites. That seems low to me. South Alabama is 2-0. and I do see that. Have they played it, anybody? I doubt it. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're a Sun Belt team. That Sun Belt, the Stun Belt, I've heard it called. Yeah. They are 22nd nationally in passing yards, 116th in rushing yards, 35th in total yards per game. They have beat Nichols State 48-7, to and they beat, on the road, beat Central Michigan last week 38-24. So this is not a joke of a team, as it turns out. Yeah, this is a game. It's a real game. That real, said, real I'm going to take UCLA. Yeah, we only got 15.5 points, and I think, yeah, UCLA's, UCLA's got to prove something here, so I'm going to go with them as well. All right. Love that. Um, next up, looks like Cal and Notre Dame. Cal and Notre Dame. You've got at, at Notre Dame Stadium, and Notre Dame are 11-point favorites. Notre Dame coming off a home loss to Marshall. Their new coach, Marcus Freeman, about whom much has been written in terms of uh, he's like a one-year coordinator there under Brian Kelly. And, Oops. <laughs> and now he's 0-3. Um, well, the bottom line is if you're not willing to pay your head coach more than $3 million a year in this in 2022, uh, you're getting what you pay for. You're getting beat by Marshall. Um, yeah. And so... <laughs> 
So Notre Dame's liable to be upset. Their starting quarterback is out for some time with an injury. So Cal. Cal you know, sucks so bad, though. They do. But they've played two. They've, Cal has come out this year. They are, let me see here. So they won week one against UC Davis in unimpressive fashion. They technically covered there because there was no line, and then last week they didn't. So Cal's one and one. UNLV is really terrible. I'm going to take Notre Dame. I'm going to take Notre Dame as well. And I was just thinking, oh, man, I bet this is good. Points are really going to be at a premium in this game. So I was checking the over-unders that, we have, that we're looking at here. By far the lowest over-under of the week, 40.5 points in this game. And I'd consider betting the under. That's so low. That's less than Iowa, Iowa State. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, I mean who, if you look at that as the over-under, how do you pick Notre Dame then? Like, how are we picking Notre Dame to win by 11? Because Cal scores a touchdown and pretty much, you know, like it's, it's 20 to 7. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, let's see here. Let's let's skip over some of the crappier. Let's go to some of the crappier games. You've got Minnesota at home hosting a hapless hapless and hopeless Colorado team Minnesota 27 and a half point favorites oh my the god they know they, they know what I like here these people in Las Vegas and that is uh the buffs getting a shit ton of points man I don't know these Colorado guys Colorado I got crunched by TCU, but it wasn't that bad. And then really embarrassed by Air Force last week. 31-point loss to Air Force. Yeah, I got to go with the Gophers on this. I mean, Colorado's looks so bad. I can't. I can't in good faith pick Colorado to do anything now. I said last week if they didn't cover, I was done picking them for the year. Yeah. So I got to at least make that last one week. Yeah. Okay, we got a gimme game here. Oregon State hosting Montana State. No line there. Um I'm going to assume that Oregon State, even if they have a little bit of a letdown, are going to are going to get through on the you know get by on the fumes of last week. Beef mania. Last no line week of the game, Arizona hosting North Dakota State University in Bison, right? Like now, is that they have a team there that doesn't lose very much? I think that's true. Yeah, I think they is that this team? Yeah, I think that's. I mean, I think both North Dakota and South Dakota State are pretty This is the top-rated team in the FCS. This is the the FCS team. We're going to do a defense. We're going to do a dive here, a deeper dive. Um, They have beat a team called Drake, 56-14. One of my uncles went to law school there at Drake. Okay. And then they also put a beat down on NCANT, North Carolina A&T? Yeah. 43 to 3. That's surely what it is, but it seems like somebody just picked a bunch of letters. They they have put a hurt on every team they've played. This they're shot like this might just be a like pick 'em game. Yeah. This might not be a function. (laughs) This might not be a no line scenario. This might be a there oh there's a line. It's just it's it's pick 'em. Um okay. So you gotta take Arizona to win this game. Jaden Delora at quarterback or North Dakota State to put some more hurt into this fan base. North Dakota State, dude, give me him. Give me the bison. Okay, I'm taking Zona. And this isn't even a bad loss, I don't think, if Arizona if Arizona loses. Yeah, probably not. Um, 
All right, so let's talk about some of these other games. Let's go first to Arizona State at home hosting Eastern Michigan. Arizona State is 20.5 point favorites. I No real reason uh, to take Arizona State, but that's uh, nonetheless what I'm going to do. Yeah, Eastern Michigan is 1-1. One one. Let's see here. They have... What have they done? They put a dub on Eastern Kentucky, and then they lost big to the Raging Cajuns last week. So that's a red flag. You don't want to get twenty-eight point loss to the Raging Cajuns. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Arizona State here. That's too big of a loss in my book. If we're gonna be picking you to cover a spread against the P5 conference team. Yeah. All yeah, right. if you want me to pick you against a, a P5 conference team, you got better be coming in with a North Dakota State-like resume. Yeah, 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 I agree. Um, then we've got another large-ish spread with Utah at home hosting San Diego State University. San Diego State appears to be down this year. Utah, 21-point favorites. I'm taking the Utah Utes. I'll take the Utes as well. All righty, now we go to another – Fairly sizable line. Your Washington State Cougars, fresh off a huge program-changing win in in Madison, are sixteen and a half point favorites over Colorado State. Let's see. Okay, we're zero and two at Colorado State. Let's take the temperature real quick because wouldn't it be just like the Cougs? Well, and, they, and it's a 17, 16 and a half point spread, which means Cougs got to score seventeen points. They've scored seventeen points against Wisconsin. And they scored like 20 against Idaho or whatever. Yeah, they scored 24 against Idaho. This is not like these Cougs are not running up the clock or running up the the scoreboard here. This Colorado State team appears to be bad. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Cougarinos. Yeah, I'm going to take the Cougs too. All right, now let's get into the the three, let's say, marquee games of the week. Let's start with the NLA, your Southern Cal Trojans hosting Fresno State USC minus 12. Mm. Ooh, this one's juicy. I'm not proud about it, but I'm going to take USC in this game. I am too. I've been riding the Trojans. They've been doing they've been doing well for they've me. They've been looking I'm, good, yeah. They've been looking good. Their defense is a little suspect, but I think Fresno State coming off a pretty devastating loss to Oregon State going down to the Coliseum. Coliseum is going to be jacked up. Um, that's w- a tough... Would you be shocked though if Fresno won this game? Yeah, if they won it, yeah, I'd be shocked. If they if they're within twelve, I'm not going to be shocked. I, I mean, if it's a if it's a thirty eight to thirty one kind of a deal because because USC can't stop them, no, I'm not shocked. If they win against Lincoln Riley in the Coliseum, that's surprising me. If it was Clay Helton, like you'd never be shocked, right? I think that's what's wrong. Was we're conditioned to the Clay Helton Trojans, where it's like yeah. they could lose to anybody. Yeah, yeah like, and it's just that's just how it goes. Um, but I would be shocked if, if Fresno went in and actually beat him. Um, okay, and now the second, the penultimate game of the week is a big one. Oregon at home hosting BYU. Oregon three and a half point favorites. Twelfth ranked BYU, huh? BYU is by is ranked twelve. Oregon is ranked twenty fifth. Off the back of their uh, demolishing Eastern Washington, that gets them back in the rankings. BYU has been good for a minute, um, has won five games in a row against the Pac-12. Uh, they had 
receiver problems last week for their game, but they or BYU just beat Baylor. Um, yeah, that's nothing. And South Florida, they won at South Florida. That's no small thing. They beat them handily. Yeah, so BYU is, I think, bringing a different um, style of play than, you know, probably more similar to the Georgia game than, than to last week's game for sure. Do you think it's enough to take down the Ducks at home in Autzen Stadium? Man, what is the line on this one? Oregon by Oregon's like three? Oregon's by three and a half. So the the Vegas thinks that even on a neutral field, Oregon's a half-point favorite. Hmm. Which I don't understand how Vegas can make that determination based on Dan Lanning having not been a head coach before and BYU and Kalani Sataki like coming off three pretty good seasons. But nah, that's what they said. I'm going to take BYU in this game. I like it. I'm going to take Oregon because of my longstanding philosophy to pick against Oregon or pick in favor of Oregon and then be just joyful if I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the whole thought process behind that. Yeah. I mean, I want to see Lanning get put into some tough situations and have to make some decisions here. Because still, so, we've yet to see this happen, right? He's had two games that were non-contests. Yeah, and like I said last week, Nick's threw for five touchdowns, and he had eight eight yards per attempt. But if you watched it, it was a lot of yak, a lot of guys just getting the ball in space for him. They were going sideline to sideline and short over the middle. Like they have yet to really, if you look at the field, offensive field, and say it's three quadrants, your dink and dunk, your mid-level, and then your, your deep game, they have really yet to throw the ball down the field at all. And I'm sure BYU has noticed that. They they. They could force Bo Nix to, like, beat him with his arm down the field, and that will be interesting to see if he can do that. Yeah, it would be – it would be uh, kind of – Absolutely glorious. It would be a new thing if he was able to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that leaves us with possibly the last uh, – best game of the week, depending on your perspective, but you've got a 2-0 Washington Husky team at home hosting the Michigan State Spartans coming in, top 15 opponent, Washington – favored by three and a half and that is not what's interesting to me about this line what is interesting to me about this line is it started out UW minus two and it almost immediately went to UW minus three and a half and that is where it has stayed which means the betting public went hard on UW when it was UW minus two not I was actually reading up about this because I was like surprised when I saw the line yesterday and it turns out the betting public strongly in favor of Michigan State what has kept the line in Washington's favor is that the like the big, big, big money likes Washington and the sharps like Washington. So like the people that gamble on sports to make money, not like us fucking around and just making picks, view this as an opportunity game for some reason. I think the reason is pretty clear. First of all, Washington's quarterback, Michael Penix, has played Michigan State twice. He was at Indiana. And he put I don't I don't know who this guy is that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Phoenix? Yeah. Oh, yeah, him. <laughs> oh, Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's put up huge nums. And one of the, at least one of those seasons was with Kalen DeBoer as offensive coordinator. Yeah. Now, I doubt Mel Tucker was probably – he probably wasn't there for Michigan State, so it's probably not apples to apples. But um, but but Phoenix had, a, had himself a couple of ball games against Michigan State. And Michigan State, you know, historically is not a super, like, down-the-field – you know, they're much more of a power run game, you know, like run the power offense team. Now they do have Jeremy Bernard, that four-star receiver that was committed to Washington and then decommitted and went to Michigan State, and he's good as hell. Um, but I, 
I think it's, you know, if you're looking at University of Washington's offense legit, Phoenix has a, a you know, proven track record against Michigan State as play, and playing well, which may or may not mean anything, but at least he's done it. Um, and Michigan State's not a terribly dynamic offense. I can see it. I'm I'm still surprised by it. I, I would have thought Michigan State would have been minus five, minus four in this game. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm very surprised to see that UW was favored to begin with and that the line has moved farther, not, not you know, started at UW minus three and is now UW minus one or pick them, you know. This is going to be an interesting football game. I think so, man. I think Husky Stadium is going to be wired. I think it's going to be exciting. Are you going to go to this game? No, I'm not, or at least I have no plans to right now. Um, I'm hoping it's live like that. It is a great, it would be a great game to go to. I'll see if, if I'm feeling wild tomorrow. I've got uh, my kids, my daughter has a soccer game at 11, and my son has one at 11.30. Um, and then if we were going to go to the game, we'd realistically have to leave at like 2.30. Um, totally doable. It's totally doable, yeah. And then the thing is that we are planning on going to the fair on Sunday, and how much weekend can one have? Oh, I'm coming off a birthday party straight to a Husky game, followed by a company barbecue, followed by a surprise birthday party for uh, Siegel. On so, so I, I I came off a big a big weekend. How was that? I didn't end up going to that because I forget why, but uh, I think probably because I was worried about getting ready for my trial that I'm in right now. It was fun. It was super fun. It was good. Did a bunch of people go? A bunch of people went. It was a good time. It was had by all. Good. It was very fun. Kid friendly space. Lots of. Also, kids running around. It's a good time. Oh, okay, nice. Well, I'm I'm long on record as a, a great fan of Adam Siegel's. There you go. Well, that does it. So we're uh, by rules of the podcast, we're taking you Dub minus three and a half. Um, I'm excited for this game. I, I you think you Dub's going to win this game in your heart of hearts? Or you think Michigan State? I mean, I I've heard pundits say people will sit up and take notice of Washington if they lose by less than a touchdown which is to say they don't even expect Washington to win this game for it to be a win in everybody else's book. <clears throat> I could see it. I mean, I'm, I'm still at the recovery point with last year being so bad and the years leading up to it being so kind of increasingly inept offensively that, like, I'm, I'm just happy we have a competent operation. And I would just like to, you know, demonstrate some of that success, which is a loser mentality, personally. I just want to see us look like a like a version of what we've been the first two games, win or lose. Uh, but it's possible. I'm certainly going to watch the shit out of it. Over under on this game is fifty six and a half points. Over. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see here. I'm not seeing the stats that I got in the other games, but Michigan State's got a couple of wins. They beat the hell out of Akron last week, although it was close at halftime. I mean, I think with the way our secondary is, we're going to have some games this year where both teams are in the 30s, and it's just, you know, a play here, a play there. Unfortunately. Michigan State's averaging about 220 yards passing a game, 223. Washington's at 341. We are legitimately like a a full-on aired-out team right now. Yeah, Michigan State's averaging, as you would expect, more running yards. They're at 230 on the season, so averaging about 115 a game. UW's averaging about 75. Um, total yards per game, Michigan State's at 460, which is not bad at all, honestly. Very um, good. UW's at 571, which is Remarkable. very, very good. <laughs> yeah. um, the greatest in ever. Yeah. 
Yeah. If they were to maintain uh, this pace. Yeah. So it's going to be, this is going to be a rock'em sock'em game. Like I said, I think Husky Stadium's going to be jacked up. They're going to have the advantage of Michigan State having to travel three time zones, which is always hard to do. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this, I'll tell you. I mean, we're going to take UW and we'll see what happens. Love it, man. Love it. All right. That does it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers. For Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week.